This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On this episode today, we are talking with Kelsey Hammonds. She is a licensed clinical social worker and certified perinatal mental health therapist in Arkansas. I'm really grateful that Kelsey is coming on to share her experience because she had been previously trained in perinatal mental health prior to having her child. And I think it's a really important perspective for us to all be hearing is that somebody who has been trained in perinatal mental health can still deal with perinatal mental health conditions. It's totally possible. It happens to uh, many people. But there's an idea that we still carry as therapists that because we are trained in things that we shouldn't be experiencing them. And that just simply isn't true. We're still human. We still go through things. And it can be hard to manage even with training because it is very different when you're going through something. And Kelsey shares her experience with us today and helps to highlight what that can feel like and be like. And I know that a lot of people, a lot of therapists in particular who listen to this podcast can identify with this. It's also true that a lot of people in helping professions in particular have a harder time sort of being okay, quote unquote, that they are dealing with something and getting help for it because we are trained to be taking care of other people. But I believe that Kelsey brings a real human and empathetic and relatable side to this experience. Kelsey became a mother in early 2020 and her entire postpartum experience was during the height of COVID. Although she was trained in what to look for and supportive tools to mitigate postpartum stressors, she struggled with the additional unpredictable layers of stress that came up as she went through her healing process from her traumatic birth experience, all while navigating the collective pandemic trauma that was being experienced by so many of us. 
She attempted to find her own rhythm and regulation during this isolation. She felt as if she was mothering against the current. Kelsey's own experience lit a fire in her, in her own work, to listen and support more women during these transitions, as well as help them feel more connected and regulated. Kelsey is sharing with us today what her journey was like and some things that she learned along the way, and as well as how she's now integrating that into helping others. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kelsey, and I hope you do too. Let's meet her. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Dr. Kat. I listen to your podcast all the time, and I just want to say that your stories that you share are so empowering, and I'm thankful for this opportunity to be able to share mine. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I know for some people there might be, except for maybe therapists, but there there can be some hesitation to listening to people's stories because mm-hmm. especially if you yourself aren't quite out of it yet, but sometimes hearing the stories is what can help you get out of it a little bit more. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you wanting to come on and share, especially because you're a therapist in this field and it can be hard just as a therapist in general to go through this, but I, I'm interested to hear your journey through this as a specialist. So yeah. yeah, please start wherever you'd like. Yeah. So I completed my certification for being a perinatal mental health therapist when I was pregnant. And this was in 2019 before we ever knew anything about an unprecedented pandemic. And <laughs> I had my baby in February, 2020. And then took, I was going to take some time off and get back into maternal mental health. And I, I call this my immersive internship because I felt like I knew all the things or I was learning all the things I knew what to look for. And postpartum for me really was kind of a big slap in the face. Mm. I was prepared. I felt like on one hand, and then I was very not so prepared with probably mostly because of the pandemic. So I had planned for a natural birth process, meaning for me, it was, I didn't really want a lot of medication or just kind of low intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not the way things ended up for me. Mm-hmm. I had a few interventions and I ended up having a cesarean. And of course my brain's kind of going back and forth, but afterwards you're like, Oh, I could have done this. I should have done this. I mm-hmm. could have done more of that. And now it's in a more healthier space where I'm like, okay, if I have another baby, maybe I'll do some things a little differently. But for me, postpartum, I couldn't get over the, I should have, I could have, I wish I would have. And having a implant cesarean really shocked my nervous system for lots of different reasons, having a major abdominal surgery and not planning for it and being a new mom about a month into being postpartum where I was starting to feel like I was getting my groove, but I also started to notice some anxiety creeping in Mm. uh, is when we got the news that everything was shutting down and there was the pandemic Mm -hmm. and nothing was known about the pandemic at that point whatsoever. So of course we didn't have people or guests in our home with the new baby. Our village was already so small anyway, Mm. and people wanted to help at first, but everybody was sort of dealing with their own stuff. And so for me as a therapist, I knew what to look for. And I was in the midst of this 
I felt like now I can look back and say like, okay, it was a little bit of a crisis, mm-hmm. <laughs> new, new mom, learning mm-hmm. everything, navigating in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. But in the middle of it, I, I've had anxiety before I've struggled with anxiety before I've had depression before. And this, the feelings that I had postpartum were not anything that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And I had heard people say that, but I actually got it. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't right. until a few months after when I wasn't in the peak of the heightened state that I was able to kind of look back and be like, oh, I was not myself. And mm-hmm. I think it's still, it's still taken me a lot of time to become like, who am I as a mom? Who am I? And what is my identity in that normal realm of shifting into motherhood identity? And that itself can be a shock. But I Mm -hmm. think in the middle of a pandemic, when you don't really have that support, and you just had a birth trauma, and you're recovering physically and emotionally, I didn't really know where to start. And so for me, I kind of took a break and was taking some therapy. I was doing some therapy and doing cognitive based things and realized that was just not what was helpful for me. I realized Mm -hmm. I had a whole body experience (laughs) and that was really what I needed to focus on. And so Mm -hmm. my experience itself has trans transformed and revolutionized my entire therapy that I do with my clients Mm -hmm. because of that more mind body focused and things like that. Right. The, all of you went through this for yes. sure. Yeah. Yes. So there are like layers to, to this for you, for sure. So um, many layers. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. 
With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Yeah. So starting with that unplanned Mm C-section and all the way through pandemic and Mm -hmm. having to look back. So with your training, you said you knew what to look for. I'm curious, what happened for you like after the birth? Mm -hmm. uh, What kind of resources or things did you have available to you or in place that that would have, like prior to having birth um, Mm -hmm. and being in the postpartum, that you would have thought, okay, this will be helpful for me. Mm -hmm. But then while you're in it, it was hard to like either remember or mm. access. Do you know what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the the planning beforehand is one thing. And then when you're in it is another right. thing. So like, what was hard at that point for you to even realize you had or could do while you were in it? Yeah. So I had a doula and I had that support postpartum, which was helpful for navigating things like breastfeeding. And of course, that was all within the first couple of weeks when I was very tearful, but it was still in the realm of baby blues. I I felt like this is very hormonal shift happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But And I also had the name and number of a therapist that I knew that was specialized in perinatal mental health. Mm -hmm. But I think when the pandemic happened and started and I was feeling the way I was, as a therapist, I felt like I didn't deserve help. And I don't even Mm. think I really knew that I needed it in the peak of it, if that makes Uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I relied on my my partner for everything. He was wonderful, which was not, looking back, I wish I would have had more support for him. Mm. (laughs) But for physical recovery and mental recovery, he was pretty much the only person that was in our circle. Mm -hmm. It took me a while even to reach out to that perinatal therapist. I did eventually, but even just the thought of any needing medication or needing to talk to someone was really hard because I think during the pandemic, especially I was there, everybody's struggling, everybody's Mm -hmm. struggling here or I would. Right, right, right. The clients that I would work with, I worked in an agency setting that was nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So the women we worked with were low income, low house, on the bridge of losing their house. Mm-hmm. And their struggles were different than the struggles that I felt. So I, I was kind of comparing my own pain and struggle to what was like the, what I felt like was the time to reach out. Yeah. Not realizing that it wasn't normal to not want to even get in the car and drive because mm. the thoughts that I was having was we would get in a car accident or mm. not wanting my partner to leave the house to go to work because I was scared he was going to get in a car accident right. or not even wanting to walk, getting out and walking by herself because I was like, what if something happens and the stroller mm. skips and I drop the baby? I mean, mm. there were so many scary thoughts that I knew Karen Kleiman that reading all the books, scary thoughts are happen. But Mm -hmm. when you're going through that, when you're having these scary thoughts, you can't just tell yourself, don't think them or that they're normal or that they happen. You feel that they're real. You feel that it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you for that. I I appreciate you kind of giving that, that, that part of you that you would you would hope and feel and think would be sort of on board that the ability to like think logically and use your mm-hmm. skills and all of this stuff is really hard to access when mm-hmm. you're 
like it's almost like you're in a tornado or a storm and you can't quite remember mm-hmm. that somewhere else there's not a storm. Right. Um, it, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. really, really hard to even recognize. And I think it's especially hard for a therapist doing what you're doing, like the comparison, mm-hmm. like not everybody hears the stories that, that we hear mm-hmm. uh, all the time. So you have this point of reference that something could be worse mm-hmm. than what you're dealing with. And your brain, although it felt distorted of like the fearful, scary thoughts, there was also this like irrationally rational part that mm-hmm. was saying, it's not that bad, you know, mm-hmm. kind of gaslighting yourself that where you sh- I went back and forth between wanting to reach out to this therapist. I kind of for months and eventually did, especially before I went back to work. And I felt like that was helpful, a helpful start to things. Mm-hmm. Right. So at what point, I guess, going back to what you were saying that it's not that bad, kind of mm-hmm. a, a feeling. I, I like how you said that gaslighting yourself. It is it is like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like something does not feel right mm-hmm. and does not feel okay, but chuck yourself out of it. What finally helped you or prompted you to get help? I don't know. I feel like once I started to be able to kind of, we started going on weekly walks, my partner and I with our baby. And I started to realize that that was helping me just getting out physically moving and then being feeling safe enough to do that. And we would go to parks. And of course, this was like at the very beginning of the pandemic. So we were like, should we wear a mask on the park trail, which added heightened anxiety for things for sure. I think once we started to do that and it had been about six months and I was still pretty fearful. And I was like, okay, I can't tell if this is postpartum anxiety, pandemic anxiety, generalized anxiety, maybe all of the above, Mm -hmm. but I need to probably talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had struggled with hormone issues in the past, autoimmune thyroid issues. So for Mm -hmm. me, I was really passionate about making sure people got their levels checked. And so I get on these health kicks every now and then where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do all the things. And that was about the time, I think it was in the summer. And I was saying, I want to make sure that I have the levels checked. I want to make sure going into the fall that things are okay. Before I go back to work, I want to have plans in place. So that about six month mark was when, and I was working, I should say I was working, but I was working from home with my daughter. I didn't have to go in person back to work until eight months. So that was great to be home with her, but had its own struggles too. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then returning to work. I mean, you eight months later, we're we're still in it. We're yeah, still, like very much in the in the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? So you had mentioned a couple of times the hypervigilance, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of co- constant worry, and ha- I guess because as a therapist, you're a little bit more able to try and categorize stuff like yeah. you know, generalized anxiety postpartum versus pandemic now, but in the moment mm-hmm. it just was happening and you were mm-hmm. or earlier on, it sounds like at the six month mark, you started to kind of get better uh, or mm-hmm. sorry, rather reach out for reach out. help. You mentioned a couple of different types of like intrusive thoughts that you were mm-hmm. having. And I think also alluded to that feeling like a very real fear. Mm-hmm. It didn't register as like, oh, well, that's an intrusive thought mm-hmm. at the time. 
how did you cope with that? So eventually the heightened anxiety did go away. I don't want to say it went away on its own, but it, it seems like the more rational side of my brain actually did have a chance to turn on. So eventually I did have the part of my brain that said, okay, those are just thoughts. Thoughts are just thoughts. Like I was able to actually do that. But what I learned, and this didn't come out until later, was I started to kind of learn more about the nervous system and learn that I was in a very fearful state. I was in fight or flight, mostly frozen, really. If I, mm -hmm. so I was, I could feel very activated, but I didn't feel like I could move or do anything about it. Yeah. And this is a trauma response. And so looking back over my own course of my life and then knowing that I just had this baby in a traumatic way for me, it was a lot of things started to kind of come out as I was processing that I didn't yeah. really ever think I would need to process, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I'm sure you hear this a lot, a lot, but as a mom, when you start to become one, you just things that you were exposed to or values that maybe your parents had, there are different things that come out that maybe even become triggers to you as you are raising your own children yep. and just different things throughout my life. I felt like started to kind of come out and process in these ways. And so I knew my body was ready to process these things. And I say my body because it wasn't just in my brain. It was yeah. this physiological experience of pregnancy, birth, and now healing as a mom was I could tell it was, I needed something different, more mm -hmm. physiological. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually ended up getting a therapist that was trained in somatic experiencing. Mm -hmm. And this didn't happen for a while, but I finally got in with her. I was on a wait list for a very long time. And it wasn't just, do you feel anxious? Like, where do you, do you have this anxious thought? It was, how does that make you feel in your body? Like, mm -hmm. what do you think you're anxious? Okay where do you think that you're anxious in your body? So she would drop me back in every time I would say, mm -hmm. like, I think I feel it was more like, okay, mm -hmm. but where do you feel? Mm -hmm. And that really started to help because I could really start to process one where these thoughts and fears may have came from, but more mm -hmm. importantly, how to process that out through my body, which is where the fear was held. Right. If that's making sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 It, it uh, right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it back to the, the body, some experiences that you were having, realizing that it's not just a, it's so hard. I mean, even the language that we have for what we experience is so mm -hmm. separated in, in some ways. So the therapy that you're describing really is separated, meaning mind and, as if mind mm -hmm. and body are separate. Right. But that idea of like kind of dropping back into your body, I'm wondering like for people, sometimes for people who've had a traumatic uh, experience physically, as well as emotionally, it can be a little hard to, to go connect with body yes. stuff, especially if it's connected to other stuff, like from yes. previously in your past, but it sounds like you got a lot of healing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, and that's kind of the premise is to not go too much too fast, too mm -hmm. soon, you know, mm -hmm. something that's why I think this work is really to doing, doing it with somebody who's trained is, is really great because I was able to really feel safe enough and feel like my body was being heard. Like, even if I was saying, yeah, we can keep going, right, right. let's pause for today. Like having somebody be able to 
take my body safety into consideration because it is, it's a very powerful therapy and I love it. And at the same time, I think that there is a lot of mind preparation that goes into it. But what I've learned is that your body's already had, has experienced the worst or is currently if you're in that trauma state. Mm -hmm. And so addressing it in that way, the bottom up, you know, Mm -hmm. Your brain is up here telling you all of these mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. And if you can drop in, it can really help those thoughts sort of, I don't know if water down is the right mm-hmm. word, but sort of flush it out a little bit, allow you to really see, okay, this is where I'm feeling anxiety in my chest. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I open my chest up a little bit, or maybe if I spread out a little bit and tend to that feeling and sensation, I can shift. And if I notice mm-hmm. that tiny little shift, noticing the tiny shifts is really what helped me. So if Mm -hmm. I was feeling at a 10 Mm -hmm. and I was like, my intrusive thoughts are here and I still we're human. Sometimes I do feel like at a 10, I can say I'm feeling really dysregulated and I have tools now that I've practiced well enough that I can just go outside and make a little shift, take a breath of fresh air outside. Now, what can I do now that I've come back down into my (laughs) brain a little bit now that I, what's something else I can do to feel a little bit more of a shift. Sure. So, yeah, I'm I'm thinking, especially with what you're describing that like freeze, freeze response, it can, it can feel really difficult to be unstuck from that. Um, Unthawing. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've learned quite a bit of for yourself in your own healing journey, you've learned tools and you said that has also, what kinds of other experiences did you have kind of learning how to, like you said, un, unfreeze or, or thaw mm-hmm. in your experience, like of the, of the physical stuff? Yeah. So the, the cesarean itself being on an operating table, especially if you're awake, it's, it's mm-hmm. a very bizarre experience having a cesarean for those of us who've had them. You're awake, you're about to have a baby you're getting cut open <laughs> and you're, you can't move. You can't move the rest of your body. You're frozen. And I didn't realize until later, way later that that frozen physiological state had an impact on my nervous system, mm. being able to name it and then kind of going back and process some of that was really monumental for me. And mm-hmm. uh, when I was ready to finally process some of that birth experience, I would have this physiological pain. I would have the physical pain when I was postpartum because I had just had surgery. And anytime I would feel the pain, I would have an emotional release. I would cry. Mm-hmm. And this was also maybe some baby bluesy hormone mm-hmm. stuff, but I was already starting to feel that physical release. So that sort of led me into, okay, there's something deeper going on here in my cells and in my my body that wasn't just here. Mm -hmm. So as you, you're, you're talking about your experience, obviously we're getting just kind of parts of it here, but having training in this specialty specifically, Mm -hmm. and then going through this while you have some knowledge of what you're going through, like after you started to understand what was going on, what was it like for you to kind of be, be putting all of this together as someone who has the training and has, is going through it? I think in part it was empowering, although I don't feel like that was the first emotion that I felt Mm -hmm. Um, more on that side of things now, but it was also 
like we mentioned, I felt like I was gaslighting myself a lot lot, uh, and wondering like, am I just making things up? Is it really Mm -hmm. that bad? Maybe Mm -hmm. I don't need this type of support. Maybe I can handle it on my own. Mm -hmm. And then I would also have the the things that we tell our clients, you are good enough. You Mm -hmm. are just you doing what you're doing with your baby. You are good enough. You already are. And I could say that I was literally having conversations with other women while I was in the Mm. midst of it and Mm. knowing very well that I did not feel that way about myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of also another pivotal point where I was like, I don't feel like I'm in a space where I'm actually able to practice what I preach. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, I don't know if even what I'm doing with my clients is good enough because I don't feel good enough. Mm-hmm. It was a really hard time to navigate that as a therapist. And then of course, therapist, being therapist in the pandemic, Right, I was hearing all sorts of things, which was so overwhelming on my nervous system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely took a little bit of a break yeah. from that. It Things naturally slowed down in the agency I was in anyway. So it kind of helped me to focus on other projects Mm -hmm. while I was working on kind of my own plan for myself, Mm -hmm. which I don't think I would have been able to go full on full practice and be where I'm at now if I wasn't able to have that. Right. So looking back on it now, do you, do you feel more like you can practice what you preach sort of a thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think the easy, so learning nervous system, like I call it nervous system literacy, but just becoming more literate in the nervous system, Mm -hmm. being able to help myself name where I'm at in my state and then naming something that can help me regulate Mm -hmm. has been really the, if you ask any of my clients, what we work on, like that's kind of the foundation there. So Mm -hmm. I would, I tell my clients, I would never show you anything that you can't do without a baby on your hip or a child present, because I know as moms, we don't always get that break. Whereas before I might have suggested things that were probably pretty impractical because I Mm -hmm. wasn't a mom myself and I wasn't going through it myself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you have to actually go through some things by yourself to know how to do this work. Right. But for me, I felt like I am being so genuine because I can say I've, I have gone through it Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and these skills, I've seen other women be able to use these regulation tools that I might offer, for example, Mm -hmm. to support themselves. Yeah. Great. So I started to work more with my body and pay attention and work. Walking was a really great tool for me. So taking those afternoon walks, like I said, I would look forward to that at the end of the week. I started to take more of those on my own with my baby and realized later, learned later that bilateral stimulation, the right left movement that walking naturally gives you is actually a really awesome tool for trauma. trauma focused work or processing trauma. And for me, finding a healthcare provider who actually listened to me was, was really hard, (laughs) but that are you talking about just like a general, like a a physician or any? Yes. Uh Um, Without someone, I wanted to get my hormones tested. I Mm -hmm. wanted to get my thyroid levels, like the full panel. Mm -hmm. I felt like it's, it's always been kind of hard to advocate for what I felt like I needed without a doctor or healthcare provider treating me. Like I just read something on the internet and Mm -hmm. didn't know what I was talking about. However, 
just having healthcare providers that I finally have found and I've accumulated over three years. This has taken me three years to find a team. Mm-hmm. I actually feel like I'm on the pathway. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I feel like I'm actually being listened to. My whole That's body nice. is being listened to, which I've, I'm, I've listened to your, your podcast where you had, you talked about unwell women Mm -hmm. or I think that's what the book is and that really resonated with me because I felt like I've had mystery symptoms and people were like you're fine I was having autoimmune issues and so getting my thyroid checked getting my hormones checked realizing okay there are things here that are out of place but that was empowering because I had now things that I could see on paper and have from that functional lens be able to kind of say okay optimally my body isn't in the right place which makes sense why my mind doesn't feel in the right place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yes, working out, but really working out from like, what does my body need today? It could be, I can roll around on the floor or I might need to lift some weights Mm -hmm. or really focusing on what my nervous system needs Mm -hmm. has been just listening to that and giving that credit has been really pivotal for my entire mental health. That's fantastic. And with, with all of the skills you learned and are, are learning. I mean, not to say that, like (laughs) we all are all still learning. Mm -hmm. Um, what have you seen? Like if you were to tell like you while you were going through it, Mm -hmm. what you know now, or like, what would you give to yourself now? If you, if you could go back? Yeah. Oh, so in, in meditation work and visualization, I do sometimes do this kind of go back to that self and, Sort of just, nur- I envision myself being nurtured with with the village that I felt like I needed that I didn't get. Yeah. So that alone, if I would have had that skill or even been able to imagine that, maybe that would have helped. But noticing those shifts, like I talked about, like having the knowledge that I can notice a tiny shift. And once I notice that shift, I might be able to shift a little more. The things that I was already doing really were good enough. Like I was noticing those micro moments or those micro doses Mm -hmm. of safety that I Mm -hmm. like to call them with my baby smiling and laughing and getting to spend those eight months with her, even though I was in fear, (laughs) but knowing and going back and looking back now and being able to say, okay, but there were those beautiful moments. And I do believe that I may not have been fully present for, but I have pictures and videos. And I'm so thankful that I took those because I can go back and I can see that it wasn't all bad. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple to digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Even if in the moment I felt like things are really scary, but just telling myself, notice those moments. And then also mm -hmm. that it's okay, that mm -hmm. things will get better. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm thinking of just telling myself if I had a future self coming in at that time. <laughs> but if yeah. someone is listening, is kind of going through that or having these scary thoughts, Dropping into your body and really focusing on where in your body sensations are and starting there can be really supportive. Even if it's like, I'm feeling this anxiety in my chest, maybe even putting a gentle pressure on your chest or having your baby and holding your baby and rocking them slowly mm -hmm. while you breathe, co-regulation and connecting to yourself. These are all things that I do now with my toddler and they work and I've mm -hmm. been able to show new moms these things. But they're also skills that I've learned along the way that I felt like would have been really nice if I would have had with my first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I find that that is uh, that what you're talking about, like the, the stuff you would have liked to been able to give yourself at the time is one of the harder parts of working with moms, new moms, to try and almost like help them learn that they're not bad or they're not failing or that they're anxiety is just a, a function of what they're going through and that their depression mm -hmm. isn't who they are. It's, it, it has such a grip and you know, this from going through it. I know it from going through it. It takes time. It, mm -hmm. it takes time. Like we can, you know, sit with, with them, with our clients and, and help them understand it's over time. But it, initially it just is the feelings are so big and so mm -hmm. overwhelming that it can be hard to believe that mm -hmm. you're not all these things that your thoughts are telling you that you are. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time. I think understanding things at the hormonal level too, because I mean, maternal mental health isn't all hormones, but there is a, sometimes it is a big piece. And so right. for something that I read that I feel like has been helpful for some of my clients that I wish I would have known then, because I felt like I was in an oxytocin bubble sometimes. Like I loved <laughs> my child so much. I wanted to just hold her and ha have her here. And then of course the pandemic kind of ramped things up. But a yeah. study I read and the, the reviews are mixed, but there was one study that I kind of say to my clients, take it or leave it. If this is helpful for you, that said higher levels of oxytocin in moms was shown in moms who also had like really scary thoughts. And mm -hmm. I thought that was so interesting and being able to have, okay, well, that makes sense why I wanted to, my, the one thing that I have worked so hard to have in front of me. And we just went through this big birth experience together. I love her so much. She's, I want to hold her all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything bad to happen to her. That was all reflections of my values, the value of 
health and safety for my baby. Mm-hmm. A pandemic was interrupting that value. Yeah, big time. <laughs> so there were lots of reasons now that I could go back and 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 say that's why. Like there was, if there was a high amount of oxytocin, whatever. But the the ultimate line was I cared about my baby so much that there was a lot of fear from external fear that was interrupting that. Mm -hmm. And so that sometimes I tell my clients, there's nothing wrong with you. It's Mm -hmm. to me, your stressors, what you're, what you're stressed about. If we uncover that, we can really try to figure out what those, those values are. We can Mm -hmm. identify them. Mm -hmm. If you're stressed about something, harm coming to your baby, well, a value must be that you want to keep your baby safe. Mm -hmm. And so we start there. What is one thing? What is one little thing you could do right now in this moment that brings safety to you and your baby? Mm-hmm. And if I would have had somebody to be able to say that and help me name, well, my baby smile or look how mm-hmm. cute her little toes are mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. be able to say you were up with her at 3 a.m. and now you're up with her again, breastfeeding, like go you. And just <laughs> to be able to show me those micro moments that I was doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Right. It that's hard to see. It's like mm-hmm. your your actions from the outside people might be able to see mm-hmm. you're yep, you're doing all the things. Yeah. And you're you're present and you're taking care of your child. But if the it, your internal process is often doesn't match that. Yeah. And if you don't and has feel you it. Believe in, mm-hmm, right. That's that is true. You it's really hard to feel. So you mentioned a little earlier on that you kind of shifted out of agency work Mm -hmm. and in part because of what you've gone through and maybe what you wanted to do all along, you've kind of started your own, your own thing. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that? Yeah. So right now I'm in a group practice and we all are kind of contract workers, but my, um, the name of my private practice and my business is heart led mental health. And for me, I really, the name itself means I'm leading from my heart. I'm listening to the whole person with my heart and not just my brain. And I'm not just listening to what they say and writing it all down. Like I really try to absorb what someone who's coming in front of me is saying and what, not just what they're saying again, because remember I would say, yeah, that's, that's fine. But really listening Mm -hmm. to their whole body. Mm -hmm. So leading with the heart and heart led mental health, that's what that really means to me. And yeah, my practice now I have almost a full practice and it's all perinatal. And I really do feel like I'm in that place where I can actually do this work because, and I still go see my therapist. Mm -hmm. I still am processing, but I feel like I'm in a space now where I can say that I'm on like this other side of things. Right. Good thing. Cause it's been three years, but <laughs> it did yeah. take me a long time to get there. And it was definitely mm-hmm. well over the first year. Like mm-hmm. postpartum for me didn't last just six weeks and we're done. <laughs> no. So nope. yeah, it, it changes you having a child and there's, I mean, there, there are still things that come up for me and I'm 12 years out where I'm like, Oh, that, that might be related. It's, it's, it's just part of being human on a healing journey. Yeah. That's just stuff comes up. So what I do find really amazing about the helping profession and people who are doing work like therapists and nurses and, and other folks who are, are really having a lot of time with clients or patients 
they do this amazing thing where you can almost like set yourself aside for a moment, Mm -hmm. be present, do the thing Mm -hmm. that you do. And then when, when that time is over with the client, kind of come back in to, Mm -hmm. to your own stuff or whatever. Everybody has their own process around all of this, but yeah. So, so I'm sort of saying this for clients who are listening, who are seeing therapists, who are perinatal therapists and yeah. us perinatal therapists who maybe are, if somebody's still going through it, obviously like listen to your needs. And if, if it's that like, as a therapist, you kind of like need to take a step back, like it mm-hmm. sounds like you did, but for clients, like we as therapists have our own therapists or ideally, mm-hmm. or like we can sit with you in what you're dealing with and still be there. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause I mean, it can, I, I think in this particular profession, because like us as, as in the specialty as therapists, we sometimes tend to, to identify a lot with what people are going through. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you've had enough training and you've been in the field for long enough, you know how to like recognize what's yours and what's not. Mm-hmm. And what's the the clients? Mm-hmm. So I I, I just yeah. I hear that that's what you were able to do in your journey. Yeah, and I think that for me, when I did take a step back and when I did recognize, I mean, I was recognizing that I was not in the place that I needed to be to be mm-hmm. able to hold that space for clients. Yeah. Uh, it was too much, and. Yes, I think that's a really good point because we do, we have this magical power sometimes where we're able Mm -hmm. to just put it all aside and Mm -hmm. do our own regulation, what we need to get our 15 minute break in between sessions and go in. It's a mindset. And, Mm -hmm. but I do think that the work that I've been doing with my own therapist, even the somatic work has been really helpful because I can say, okay, I know what I need to do, but what Mm -hmm. do I feel Mm -hmm. and really help myself. And if I need to identify that in session and say, Hey, just so you know, my three-year-old was up at 3 a.m. So if I seem a little spacey today, <laughs> oh, that's why. And it makes me more real real yeah. and relatable. And my clients yeah. aren't taking that personal. I'm saying, yeah. here I am. And that's kind of part of this work, too, that I've integrated is mm-hmm. let's call out what we're feeling in our state. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you details of my life, but I can at least tell you what nervous system state I'm in so that we can start to have that nervous system literacy and that conversation and they can start to identify it for themselves eventually too. And so that's where we are. Yeah. Well, I I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and giving us some insight into what it's like. There, there are more and more therapists who are becoming specialized in this field. And I think it's really, really important for us as therapists to be able to say, to have a space to know that others of us have been through this and over time, it deepens your work. Definitely. But while you're going through it, it can feel a little, a little rough. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Like a roller coaster ride that you didn't really buy the ticket for and can't <laughs> right. really get off of, but you're, you're stuck. <laughs> right. So get it. Yep. So you find your way through. Well, thank you so much. This opportunity has been wonderful and just being able to share my story and be heard is, is a really nice feeling too. Awesome. Thanks for coming. If you'd like to connect with Kelsey, you can find her at Perinatal Social Worker on Instagram and heartledmentalhealth.com. For those of you who identify with this story and think that somebody else could benefit from it, please do share. 
it's vital that we're sharing our stories, these stories, so that other people know that they're not alone and so that we can continue to reduce the stigma and help more people. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.